Do appreciate the opportunity to stand before you this morning and break unto you the bread of life to share with you the word of God to help us grow in faith. Uh, we're used to seeing Mike up here, but he's battling shingles. Uh, he's in the hospital, and I spoke with him last night, and uh, he's hoping to be released tomorrow. <clears throat> and so I know he would rather be here uh, than where he is at uh, right now. But you are in his thoughts and in his prayers, uh, and he's looking forward to uh, a speedy recovery and trying to be back among us once again. Uh, it is great to be here, uh, to assemble together with those of like precious faith. Uh, we have a number of visitors. We always do. We appreciate your presence this morning. We want to encourage you to continue coming back. If you're already members of the Lord's Church and you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you come and be a part uh, of our classes uh, and of our family that meets here uh, every week. We want to encourage those that are visiting with us that may not be a child of God, that may not be a Christian yet. Maybe you're looking for answers concerning God's will in your life or you're looking for the Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're looking for answers to your spiritual needs, uh, we have many individuals here that would love to sit down and study with you. And you'll even have an opportunity at the end of our lesson this morning uh, to hear what you need to do to become a child of God and to deal with the sin and with the problems uh, that are in your life. But we appreciate you being here and gathering with us this Lord's Day morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about a boy and his home. I could have said a young child in his home. I could have said a young man in his home. But we'll get an indication of just how old this child is, this son is, this boy is as we go through this passage. But I want to talk to you about this boy and his home. We're thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ. We sang many precious songs about him and about what he's done, especially uh, his life on earth, him being the king who's crowned, uh, him giving his life upon the cross. Uh, and as we partook of the Lord's Supper, we remember that body that was given for us. We remember that precious blood that he shed, and he did that uh, to save lost souls. He did that to establish the Lord's church that would go forth from Jerusalem. He did that because human beings were precious in his sight. He did that because of his great love that he has for humanity and knowing that humanity is in sin. <clears throat> we don't have an answer for sin other than Jesus Christ our Lord and his precious blood. And not only did he shed his precious blood to uh, purchase the church, but that church is also described as being the house of God. And so as we think about a home, just keep in mind that Jesus Christ built the most precious home of all, and that's his family, his bride, the Lord's church. And we look at our congregation here, and it is a family. It is a home. You have some folks that may move away, and they may still call Olive Branch their home congregation, their home church, because of the precious ties that they had while they were here. And we'll use that term from time to time as we talk about our spiritual family as being our home. And many folks love being here, and they love being a part of, of the, the worship services and the Bible study classes to grow. And, of course, the intention is to grow closer one toward another and to grow in love one toward another, and to lean upon one another. So our family here, this place here, is, is like a home. And we thank, that, uh, we thank the Lord for that, and we thank everyone for that as well. Uh, I think that's why we continue to grow in number. Folks being baptized, be added to the body of Christ. Folks coming from other congregations because they want to be a part of the work here. Uh, they want to be a part of the work because they see how individuals love one another and how they treat one another. But as we look at this text, it is about a boy in his home. 
But what do you think of when you think of a home? You think of a home as, as a place where your heart is? Do you think of your home as being a place of warmth? Do you think of your home as being a place of acceptance? Uh, older folks might have a different idea as they think of home and describe it. Younger folks may have a different idea as they think of home and how they describe it. And as we look at this household here in Luke chapter 15, we'll see some things that were going on within this home. But here, as you think about what went on, Appreciate the reading of the scriptures a few moments ago in Luke chapter 15 and verses 11 and 12. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. Notice one son wanted his portion. He wanted his part of the estate. He wanted it right away. But the father divided it unto them. Not just the son who's asking for it, but with the other son as well that we'll read of in the scriptures. And not many days after uh, that, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You see, here's a boy, when he looked at his home, he was sick of it. Now those parents that are among us that raised children, uh, I don't know of any perfect children. We would all love to have perfect children and the children would love to have perfect parents, but there comes a time when, when some children, they're just sick of home. They're sick of going home. They're sick of being at home. Uh, they're sick of that place where their family resides. And so some individuals, they reach this point where they're sick of it and some run away. We hear statistics many times, thousands of kids running away from home every year because of situations that take place there. Some of them because they don't like the rules that are at home. They don't like the fact that their parents want them to pick up after themselves. They don't like the fact that the parents say you have to come in at a certain time. They don't like the fact that parents say you have to dress in a certain way uh, as a human being. Uh, they don't like the way that their parents may ask them to take out the trash or help around the house or help do yard work. Uh, they reach the point where they, they feel like they don't need to do that, that they're so special. Some folks get sick of home that way because of rules, regulations, requirements, or the morality that the parents try to instill within them. And, and some of these individuals run away from home. We have other individuals who run away from home because of abuse. And we would love that somebody would be there to help them out. They run away from home because of physical abuse. It might be emotional abuse. It might be sexual abuse. And they just want to get away from that. And the only way they can be free is, is to run away. And so we know some children run, run away because of that as well. Uh, I mentioned here in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph didn't run away. This individual that we can read of in the Old Testament, but just think about his household. Uh, his father loved him. His mother loved him. His father made him a coat of, of many colors. Uh, he was proud of that coat, bragging about that coat. Uh, and this young individual had a dream and he shared his dream with his family, all his older brothers and his mother and father about, you know, how the, the sun and the moon would bow down and, and uh, how these, these other crops would bow down unto him. And they got the idea that you think we're going to bow down to you? Well, hatred started to inst be instilled in the hearts of these brothers. Jealousy was instilled in, in the hearts of those brothers within this family toward this younger brother. And, and in Genesis chapter 37, when they saw their younger brother, some of them wanted to kill him. 
Unfortunately, there are some families that are out there that are like that. Their way to handle the problem is kill them. If there's guns around the house and we hear from time to time older brothers killing younger brothers or younger siblings uh, because of situations that are going on, uh, Joseph's family was no different. They wanted to kill him, but at least they had two of the brothers that talked the other ones out of killing him. Let's just sell him. And he was sold into slavery. Now, they still went back home to see their father, uh, Jacob, that uh, here's this coat. It's got blood all over it. You know, we don't know what happened. You know, they're lying through their teeth. The father thought he was dead. How much love can these sons have for their father to put that much grief within his heart? But it was a dysfunctional household as well. God reveals the good and the bad and the ugly within his scriptures to show us what a home is like. And so it's no surprise that when we hear of people that uh, they're sick of home, kids that are sick of home, they'll run away from home, some for the right reasons, some for the wrong reasons. But as we see here, it takes place. This son, because of what he hears about in the world, wanted to leave home. Had no respect for his father, had no respect for his father's substance. He wanted his part of the estate given unto him right away. He didn't want it to wait until his dad died. That's, that's the natural way of taking care of things. When I pass away, my estate's going to be divided this way, a portion here and a portion there. Uh, the young son is so filled with lust and envy and desire, he said, I want my money now. Father gave it to him. And not only did he give it to him, he gave it to his older brother as well. But the younger son took his money. Did he want to go out and get a good education? No. Did he want to go out and build his own home and have his own living where he could still be a good citizen in society? No, he didn't want to do that either. Notice what we read in the passage. Verse 13, <clears throat> not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Later on, the brother <clears throat> is going to talk about, pardon me, the older brother is going to talk about this younger brother here and what his younger brother was doing. He's saying his younger brother was wasting his money with harlots. We use the term prostitutes today, or you don't hear the word whore very much today. He went and wasted his money with these wicked women. That's what your younger son did. That's where he wasted his money. Not just there, but he's just living it up. Father worked all his life for his estate to provide a living for his family and his son wanted the money and he went out and wasted it. And so the older brother wants to remind the father, you know, what your younger son is doing. And so the older brother does that within the context. Now think about Christianity. We know what's in the Lord's church. We know the morality that God requires of us. Uh, to be people of integrity, people of honesty, uh, people of, of good character, people that are holy, that are pure, that are just, that are innocent. And as children of God, we know that we fall from that perfection and we know that we sin from time to time. And we're thankful to the Lord that we have the desire in our heart to continue to please him. We turn away from that sin and we come back home and uh, we ask the Lord for forgiveness and, and the precious blood of Christ is there to forgive us. But in the, in the moment, this young man wants to satisfy his lust, his desires right away. And he goes out and he wastes uh, his father's living. If you notice what John writes to Christians, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, look at 1 John chapter 2 in verses 15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2 in verses 15 through 17. <clears throat> Here's the aged apostle John. 
He's writing to other Christians. He's writing them at like, like a father to his children. And he describes them in a few verses in this short letter as his children, as young children. But he tells them, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is not of the father, but of the world. The world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. See, that's a problem within this young man's heart. Can't dress the way I want to at home. Can't eat or drink the things that I want to at home. Can't hang around the people that I want to at home because they want to tell me who to hang around with and who not to hang around with. And so this young man has these desires in his heart, this lust in his heart that he wants to satisfy and he's not getting it satisfied at home. So he is sick of home. And what he sees in the world is, I can go out there and dress the way I want to, drink the way I want to, have relationships with other people the way I want to, and there's nobody there to tell me what to do. He went into a far country, and that's exactly what he did. And we see some young folks that, that do that today. Mom and daddy won't let me dress the way I want to. They want to dress provocative. The parents know that can get you in trouble. That can draw people around you that you really don't want around you. So they try to get you to dress modestly. They know what alcohol can do. I, I have friends of mine, I have folks that I've known where alcohol just destroyed their lives. It caused them to make decisions that they shouldn't have made and, and their lives ended up coming to an end. And so when we have parents who tell us stay away from alcohol, they know what they're talking about. Whether they know of it personally or not, or personal situations, uh, of that or not. But some folks, alcohol looks so good, the commercials make it look so good. If I have this beer in my hand or this drink in my hand, look at the women that I can have around me or the men that I can have around me or the cars that I can drive and they get all these ideas in their mind. Well, I can't do it at home, but I can do it somewhere else. And so you see, when we read through this passage, this young man had the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life in his heart. He wanted to live the way he wanted to, do the things that he wanted to, and not be under anybody's authority. The father let this son make his choice. Did the father want him to do that? No. But see, the son was probably going to leave home <clears throat> with the money or not. And so the, left, the son left home with his money, and the son went out and wasted his money. You see, when you run out of money, then finally common sense takes over. And that's what we see taking place next. Not only was this boy sick of home, this boy finally became homesick because he started going through his mind what home was really like. The world was not as pleasant as he thought it was. You know, TV tries to paint this picture in the mind of a lot of folks, not just young kids, young adults as well, older adults as well. Uh, you can drink alcohol and be happy. You can be a part of immorality and be happy. Some of these sitcoms that come on TV, the, these shows that come on TV show relationships that are immoral. Uh, they show these relationships, even though these people are laughing, they're, they're going against the scriptures of God. God wanted marriage to be one man with one woman for life. But some of these folks that live together are not even married. Some of these folks that live together are not man and woman, but man and man and woman and woman. And so the media just paints, paints this picture like you can do anything you want to, live with anybody you want to, and, and not have any uh, responsibility or accountability to anyone higher than you or anyone else at all. 
But you see, when the son looked back at home, his home wasn't dysfunctional. <clears throat> his home wasn't a place where immorality took place. Uh, his home wasn't a place where hatred and envy just seemed to fill the rooms. He looked back at his home as a place that was pleasant. The world that he was living in at this particular time was not pleasant. He looked at the sin that he was committing. This sin wasn't as satisfying as he thought. He went out, drank, went out, slept with women, went out, did whatever he wanted to, thought he had friends, but when the money ran out, the friends ran out as well. Had no money left. And so this world was not as pleasant as he thought. Sin wasn't as satisfying as he thought. And we've heard from time to time from this pulpit, going back to the book of Ecclesiastes, I look at that book as Solomon's confession. Solomon in his young age wrote some beautiful proverbs for us. Uh, Solomon in his old age, after he had done what he wanted to and tried to find satisfaction, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes in his older age. To me, it's like his confession of his sin. Because anything he wanted, he had the money to buy it. Uh, you heard Mike say, I gave him this idea when, when I used to teach on it. Kids go out today and they buy the CD. Solomon went out and bought the band. They didn't have CDs back then. I got men singers, women singers. So he went out, he had the money, he bought the bands. The bands came to him. He owned them. They sang for him. But that wasn't satisfying enough for him. All the silver and gold he wanted, that wasn't enough. Some folks want to run away from home and have this girlfriend and this boyfriend. What would Solomon do? 700 wives, 300 concubines. So that wasn't satisfying. You can't be satisfied sexually that way with one or two more women, three or four more women. It didn't satisfy him. There was something in his heart that he wanted satisfying, satisfied and sex wasn't it. By the time he finally gets to the end of the book, he said, the whole duty of man, fear God and keep his commandments because God knows what's best for us. See, Solomon in his young age wrote the Song of Solomon, how much he loved that first love, his first wife. A beautiful book written about love. But he wrote that in his young age. Wrote Proverbs as he's growing older. But he wrote Ecclesiastes at his old age looking at how he just messed things up. And he said, here's a conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. But going back to this son. I hope that you're not sick of home this morning. If there's an issue going on there, have it worked out. Some kids make the wrong choices because they're sick at home. Some kids end their life because they're so sick at home. It breaks my heart when I hear of 12 year olds that go out and take their own life, or even some kids younger than that. Or I think of older individuals, they're having problems at home. And then you get this phone call, your son is dead, your wife, or pardon me, your daughter had just taken her life. You know, it's heartbreaking to the parent when you have problems like that going on and, and you wanna get those problems worked out. But this son, not only was he sick at home, he became homesick. Again, he didn't have a dysfunctional home if he would. He knew what his father was like. <clears throat> he knew that he could go back and be with his father, and he made that choice to do so. You see, finally, we look at this boy who came home, this boy who was home. He, told, he said in his heart, and again, if you have your Bibles, you can look back at Luke chapter 15. He tried to make up this excuse to be able to go back home or this reason that maybe his father might accept him if he comes back home. And so in the passage, it tells us, beginning here 
Uh, <clears throat> at verse 17, that when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to eat and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, and he wants to go through this whole speech, but does the father let him notice what we see? The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy be he called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Bring the ring and put it on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You see, he finally came back home. He thought, surely the father's not going to love me the way he did at the beginning. Surely the father's going to be upset with me. Surely the father is going to agree with me and say, I don't want you to be like my child. I want you to be like my servant. He thought his father may treat him that way. But even if he doesn't, he wants to volunteer to be like a servant because he knew how much disrespect he showed toward his father. All this speech he had prepared, he wants to say it to his father. But I think he's caught off guard. His father loved him more than he thought was possible. And, and he said, Father, I've sinned against thee. I've sinned against heaven. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. You see, that, that's what he's thinking. We go through this whole passage. He's thinking this way. He's thinking that way. All of it's incorrect. All of it's poor judgments and poor choices that he's making. But when he comes back home, he sees that this father who loved him back then still loves him the same. But even sees that this love is, is it's truly amazing. That he's worthy to take him and not just treat him as a runaway son, but, but as he comes back, he wants to treat him as royalty. You know, put shoes on his feet, put a ring on his feet, on his feet. get the fatted calf and kill it. Uh, let's just have a great homecoming, a great party, because my son who was lost is back home. You see, we can read through this, but if you've never had a child run away from home, you really don't know what this father's going through. If you've never had a child that has left the Lord, left the Lord's family, went out into the world, living up by any means necessary. If you never had a child like that, you really don't know what the father's going through here. But God even has some of his children within the Lord's church that they want to go back out into the world. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here in Luke chapter 15. Children of God go astray, but when they come back, there's rejoicing in heaven. Whether it's with the lost coin, uh, whether it's with the lost sheep, or here with the lost son, there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. Looking at it from a literal sense, a child who comes back home out of the world, the father's rejoicing. Looking at it from a spiritual standpoint, a child of God that goes into the world and comes back home, there's rejoicing. From time to time, we'll see folks come forward Sunday evening, Sunday morning, Wednesday evening. They've messed up their life. They've sinned. What do they need? They need support. They need a family around them. They don't need, like this elder brother here, criticizing them. What they need is that family support, and it's here within this congregation. So as you look at your life as a child of God, the family of God is still here. Maybe you've wandered away. Maybe you're sitting here in a pew, but your heart has gone away from God. We want you to come back home. 
you know, if you're a Christian, you're, you're already that, that child of God. Whatever sin is there, we want to encourage you to repent of that sin. That precious blood of Jesus Christ can forgive you of that sin. Prayers can be offered up. James says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. Prayers can be offered up on your behalf as a child of God who's gone astray. Now, we want to rejoice this morning by you coming back. And as I mentioned early on, you may not be a Christian. You may not be a child of God. And you're here visiting with us this Lord's Day morning. You know, God wants you here. God's providence may have brought you here so that you can see what a loving family of God is and, and how it surrounds you this morning. If there's sin in your life as uh, an individual who's never been a Christian, first thing you need to do is believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4, Paul said that, that's the facts of the gospel. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again according to the scriptures. You need to believe that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for your sins. But then you, you need to be willing to confess that. Yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to be willing to repent of your sins. Sin is there, but it has to be dealt with. You have to stop sinning. We can encourage you to do that. We can help you understand how to overcome sin. But sin needs to be repented of. In Acts 2.38, when they asked Peter what to do, he said repent and be baptized. And baptism being the next step. Baptism is where you come into contact with the precious blood of Christ by faith. Colossians chapter 2 and verses 11 and following, by faith, yes, we're saved, but in baptism, that's where God does his work. That's where God does his operation. That's where God cuts the sins away out of your life. And so when you arise out of that watery grave of baptism, you're a new creature. Your sin can be dealt with if you're a sinner this morning. Put your faith in Christ. Be baptized into Christ. And those sins can be washed away and you can be added to the Lord's family. As we sing this invitation song, think about your life. Is it right before God? We rejoice in that matter. If it's not right before God, then why not come this morning and let us help you while we stand and sing.